All right. So, Matt, if a firefighter has two eyes, then what does a ballerina have? Two feet? I don't know. Two, two. <laughs> How did I not get that? I don't know. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, everybody, here we are. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Good Had a pretty good day. Been looking forward to uh, getting up here in the graveyard. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's been, it's been good. Good deal. Um, Before we get into it, I want to say, go check out the Podbelly network at podbelly.com. We're proud to be members of the Podbelly network and proud to be associated with the other shows that are also members. You can go on there and find a list of the different shows that they have. And it's shows that maybe you wouldn't come across in any other way. So go check them out. Podbelly.com. Um, we also want to thank tonight's sponsors, Uncommon Goods, Raycon, and HelloFresh. And we'll talk more about them throughout the episode. While you're on the internet doing your thing, um, if you don't mind, go over and give us a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Um, give us a five-star review and then say something. Doesn't matter what you say, um, but saying something helps put the reviews up higher in the algorithm for some reason so people are able to see them mm-hmm. uh easier and it also helps bring people into the graveyard if you post a five-star review and say hey these guys they're kind of stupid but i like the show then people <laughs> <laughs> people are, are more willing to check us out so do us a favor and give us a rate and review if you can Okay, Matt, so let's talk about a new sponsor to Graveyard Tales, and that's Uncommon Goods. Now, with the holidays coming up and you're doing shopping and all that, if you want to avoid the boring, basic, and bland gifts this year, Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for some of the most remarkable unique gifts for everyone on your list whether you're shopping for your secret santa or your entire family uncommon goods knows exactly what they want now here's the thing you know matt ashley and i are kind of obsessed with jigsaw puzzles mm-hmm. we we have stacks and stacks of puzzles so when i was on this uncommon goods site looking at the puzzles i was blown away they have some of the coolest puzzles out there not the regular square puzzles or anything like that and we ordered one that you could it was a whole bunch of different buttons right the picture was a bunch of buttons well you could choose and on six buttons you could put your own text that's cool yeah we have a puzzle that three of them is like our our names ashley adam and michael and then we've got the other three are mom dadam and kiddo so they're all in there. It makes it a personalized gift for us. Thought it was fantastic. Um, so if you're into jigsaw puzzles, go on there, get you some of their 
awesome jigsaw puzzles, and they got a ton of other unique gifts. Oh yeah, and and if you're outdoorsy, you like camping, uh, like me. I mean, I've been looking just today on all of their outdoor products, things for for uh, outdoor living. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it. It's things that you're not going to find anywhere else. So when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. These fine products are made in small batches, so you have to shop now before they sell out this holiday season. I mean, Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out of the ordinary gifts anywhere, from art and jewelry The Kitchen Home and Bar Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts that you could find just about anywhere. So, to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash great. G-R-A-V-E. That's right. That's uncommongoods.com slash grave. G-R-A-V-E. And you'll get 15% off. And don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods, because we're all out of the ordinary. So, Matt, that's really all I've got for the intro on this episode. So why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Well, tonight we're going to literally do a deep dive uh, looking at a, a legendary cryptid from around the Bermuda area. Mm-hmm. And this one, this is one of the ones you're going to, you're going to see it's, it's crazy sounding, but you're going to see at the end of this episode that this is one of those cryptids that may actually exist. Right. Or it may be something else. Um, but there's, there's a lot of evidence that there's something out there. And this is the Luska. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So if you look up some uh, artist renderings of the Luska, it looks like something out of a Dungeons and Dragons book. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy looking. Ashley um, called it a sharktopus. A sharktopus. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a, it looks like an octopus with the, the front body of, of a shark, mm-hmm. you know, dor- dorsal fin everything but instead of that that classic shark tail it it's got tentacles trailing behind it right so kind of kind of cool um like i said the, the some of the artist pictures are really great um but when you start looking at the sightings uh over the years and the the evidence that has kind of piled up it it really makes you think that if it's not a sharktopus, <laughs> it's something. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is definitely something out there. I'm with you. I, I think there is something that is not a normal thing that we've seen that we have classified that is being touted as the Luska. There, there's, there's something. But we might as well get right into it, Matt. Um as we always say, go check our sources. You can go down in the bottom of the show notes and see where we found all our information. Follow those links. Um, a lot of my information I got from my cryptid books. So I've put the titles of those cryptid books 
in the show notes there where you can maybe go pick up a copy. Um, now, like Matt said, the, the Luska is a cryptid from the Caribbean, uh, most particularly Andros Island, Florida, the Bahamas, Belize, but it's been seen in other areas, including, I don't know if you saw this, Matt, but the Gulf of Mexico and some of the yeah. coasts around Mexico. So yeah, yeah. that's quite wild when you mm. uh, think about the ocean cryptids. You don't normally hear about them in the Gulf of Mexico that close to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right. And I go swimming in the Gulf of Mexico, so I'm going to think differently about this now. Um, they're also said to frequent a lot of blue holes in the area. And blue holes are sinkholes or caverns that are open at the top and connected to the ocean through underground tunnels. And we've discussed blue holes before in another episode um, because a lot of ancient cultures in those areas believe that blue holes were gateways to the underworld. And yeah. th this possibly the Luska could be one of the reasons they think that. Yeah. The funny thing is, is, um, for those civilizations, it was. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, that, that wasn't explored. They didn't really have the means to explore it. So it, it, it was a gateway to the unknown. Um, so it, it, it might as well be a gateway to the underworld. Right. Right. Now, the Luska is prominent in Caribbean mythology, and it's the term that's given to one of the sea monsters that people in the area fear the most. It's said to prowl the deepest waters of the Caribbean and will attack and eat any unsuspecting person it comes across. So, Matt, I guess the the thing there is always expect it and you'll be fine. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm always on the lookout for sharks anyway. So well, there might you as go. Well look out for this as well. Exactly. So the unsuspecting person will get eaten. But if you suspect it, you're, you're going to yeah, be fine. Okay. It, it'll pass over <laughs> you. It knows that you're waiting on it. So it'll pass over you. It gets right up behind you. And then you're like, ah, well, yeah. I knew you were coming. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well. So I'm going to find you. Okay. You get a pass. Fine. On fine. to the next one. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but since it's mostly seen around Andros Island, let's talk about Andros uh, real quick. Now, Andros Island is the ecotourism capital of the Bahamas, and it's the fifth largest island in the Caribbean. It's the closest major island to Nassau, but one of the least developed in the Bahamas. It lies about 175 miles southeast of Miami and just 20 miles west and south of Nassau. So most of the interior is unexplored and development is mainly limited to the East Coast. Andros is called, quote, the sleeping giant, and it's over 100 miles long, 40 miles wide, and it covers 2,300 square miles, like total. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now it has three large waterways known as North, Middle and South Bites um, that divide the island into North Andros, Mangrove uh, Mangrove K and South Andros Island. Now, these bites are teeming with fish, making An Andros a world-class fishing and diving destination. So a, a lot of tourism there for the diving and seeing sea creatures. So think about this. If you've got all those fish and all that sea life there, why, why wouldn't that be the perfect place for a large 
unknown creature to live and come snack. It's like a little snack bar for this thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> snack bar. Yeah. I mean, come up and get you some fish. If you see a tourist that looks tasty, take the tourist. You're not yourself when you're hungry. Have a human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you got a, a Luska, and then you eat a human, you turn back into a peaceful little octopus. <laughs> but, That's right. Yeah. Now, we'll get back to the Luska. Now, the Luska is what we know as a, as a chimera. Now, it's a compilation of some of the most feared sea creatures in the Caribbean and the Gulf, and it's said to be part great white shark and part giant octopus. It's said to be between 75 foot and 250 foot long, and its huge head with an elongated jaw, and its elongated jaw is filled with razor-sharp teeth. And apparently it has these super dark black eyes. So it looks like a great white all the way back to the dorsal fin, like Matt was saying. But it is a ginormous great mm-hmm. white. It's like a oh, great, yeah. super great white, a great, great white. Um, now, the octopus half, the back half, they say looks like a twisted web of huge octopus tentacles. The tentacles can reach up to 50 feet in length per tentacle. That's huge. Um, it apparently is super agile in the water and real quick because we all know sharks are fast and octopus are very agile creatures. So you put the two together and it's supposed to be just a combination of its skill. It's said to be able to swim as fast as a jet ski and to be able to turn on a dime. Swim as fast as a jet ski. Mm-hmm. Man, can that, you? Uh, that's a fast sea creature. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the sailfish and stuff are real fast, but this apparently can go even faster than sailfish. Yeah. I mean, when you look at an octopus though, they are, they are pretty swift Mm -hmm. in the water. Sure. Um, you know, so, uh, it it makes sense if you combine the speed of a shark and the speed and agility of an octopus, um, you're getting something that you probably wouldn't be able to get away from. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it said um, that it can drag a really strong man down and kill him easily. But honestly, Matt, that doesn't take a whole lot. Because if you actually think about it, (laughs) it doesn't take much weight for you to not be able to hold your head above water anymore. Right. Um, And most sea creatures are way more powerful in the water than we are. We're Mm -hmm. low on the food chain when it comes to the ocean. Because we're not meant to swim. We don't have the propulsion methods that they do. Um, we don't have the the musculature to tread water like they do. We're, we're barely getting along. And even the fish that are a lot smaller than we are can be enough to pull us under. Um, think about the last time you caught a fish. If you catch a five-pound bass or catfish. They can put up a huge fight while you're reeling them in, so much so that they feel way heavier. You you get a five-pound catfish, and sometimes you think you've hooked a 15-pound monster. You pull them mm-hmm. out, and it's like, oh, it's just this little catfish. And it's because the way they're built, they are much more powerful in water than we are. You can, if you watch like uh, Jeremy Wade fishing, and he's mm-hmm. catching these 150-pound fish, 
those things, he weighs more than those fish do, but they could easily kill him yeah. if he if he's in the water with them. Uh, you think about something that's supposed to be 75 foot to 250 foot long. That thing's got to weigh tons. Mm-hmm. So it could it could get you in a gulp. There's there's no question right, about no it. No doubt. It could pull you and your boat down. Mm-hmm. And there are stories of it doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, due to it being half octopus, they say that it can travel through shallow waters or short patches of dry land to other bodies of water. Because you know how octopus can get up on shore and move to mm-hmm. tidal pools yeah. and stuff. Apparently, the Luska can do that because of its octopus half. So even you think, okay, I'm in this shallow bay here. I'm fine. You're not fine. Uh, because it, it, it can get there over the yeah. shallow, the shallow water. And legend has it that the Luska, like octopuses, can actually change their color and texture of its skin to blend in with the surroundings. And it can squeeze itself into smaller crevices and caves to hide out. So mm-hmm. that kind of explains why they might be in blue holes. And they're connected to the ocean. And sometimes they may be just small inlets from the blue hole to the ocean. But because they can squeeze themselves into small areas, they can squeeze right into this little tunnel and get mm-hmm. up there in the blue hole. Now, there's also legends that say the Luska is, it's not half shark, half octopus, but that it is a huge octopus. No shark half, just an octopus bigger than we've ever seen or bigger than we can ever imagine, which to me, this is hitting on that if it's something out there it's probably this um i don't see it as half shark half octopus i think the luska could be an unknown species of giant octopus right like this legend is saying um and the legend says that this usually is hearkening back to the legends of the kraken and some say that the luska could be what kraken myths are stemming from yeah um because if you think uh you know it it says they can drag boats and their occupants underwater to feed and the boats will never be seen again so that sounds exactly like the kraken Mm -hmm. exactly like all the stories of the kraken so if the luska is real and I, i believe there's something out there that is the luska i think it's probably more along the lines of this part this legend that it's a giant octopus bigger than anything we've seen rather than half shark, half octopus. Right. And, and you got to realize too, these blue holes are deep. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they are not these little shallow pools with, you know, caves that go down 30 or 40 feet. I mean, there are blue holes that go down 200 feet. Right. Okay. So uh, there is, there is plenty of, area for something of this size to get really deep and remain relatively undiscovered. Yep. And because the way those blue holes connect to the ocean, there's a really good chance that 
plenty of food is going to swim back and forth, you know, so it, it's not like it's something that has to hunt all that hard. Okay. Especially being the size that it is, right. You know, it could, it could take all comers, mm-hmm. you know, something, something ventures a little too close. There's lunch, yeah. you know, something, you know, floats above it. There's dessert. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so there's a really good possibility for that. And I, and I agree with you. Um, but just saying, Hey, bet you there's a giant octopus down there. Uh, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people say the thing is people said there was a giant squid for decades yeah. before we ever had any real evidence that one existed. Right. They thought it was a you myth know, and just a sailor right. tale. Yeah. 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 But we have way more evidence of something um, than we did for the giant squid. And we were right about the giant squid. Right. <laughs> you know, and I say we, we as, as humans, as, as scientists, as researchers, as, you know, people that, um, you know, look into and enjoy uh, learning about these creatures. Um, you know, we, we all had this idea that there's something there that there's, that there's too much evidence. We have way more for Aluska. Right. And, uh, the giant squid we're talking about is the Architeuthis. If you want to go check it out. Um, if you've not heard of it and not seen pictures and, of it. And, and, and we did an episode on the Kraken and, mm-hmm. and we, we discussed the giant squid. So if, if you like this kind of stuff, go check that one out too. Right. Now, some say that the Luska will actually surface on full moon nights and kind of hang out on the surface. And that, I mean, that, that makes sense. There's other deep sea creatures that come up from time to time and will hang out like the paddlefish yep. and stuff like that will come up and the oarfish hang out. You know, full and, moon. Yeah. There's a little romantic. It Maybe does. it's looking for a, a nice little luskette too. Yeah, a lady luska. <laughs> the old lady I think luska. It could, play, it could play a little guitar oh, and sing yeah. to her, but it, then it could it could play something else with its other tentacles. Yeah. It could be a one-man band. I was going to say, it'll be a whole band there. And <laughs> What's more romantic than a luska playing an entire symphony for you? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I will argue nothing. It's absolutely. <laughs> the most romantic thing that's ever happened. <laughs> that's how I got Ashley. And I mean, I made her my wife. I wrangled a, a, a Luska to play this for us while we were hanging out. Now, now what he did is he had he had cymbals between his knees and a harmonica thing, and uh, he's playing his guitar and smacking <laughs> the cymbal. Yeah, it was definitely not as romantic as as a Luska playing a symphony. It was quite awkward, actually. It's more like one of those monkeys you wind up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> About as rhythmical, too. <laughs> now, they say when the Luska is not feeding on people, um, it's believed that it feeds on crabs and other, any other animal, basically, that it can catch. So, it, yeah, remember, in the ocean, if it fits in its mouth, it's food. Yeah, exactly. That's That's kind of the rule of thumb. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, now speculation, they say abounds as to what the Luska might actually be. Um, they have dozens of tales that run the gamut of what it could be about its origins and all that. 
Now, I grabbed a short list of some of the different theories as to what the Luska might be and how it formed. And I mm-hmm. thought these were interesting. Thought we could read them and talk about them. Um, because they're, the legends of what how it formed is very interesting. Especially when I'm thinking it's probably just a huge octopus, huge species of octopus. These legends are kind of kind of different. Yeah. The first one is the ghost of a drowned woman transformed into a beast, hair, not tentacles, gliding behind it, dragging men down to their graves. A creature that yep. is similar to the dreaded Banshee or uh, La Llorona, um, a specter caught in an endless loop spurred by either her grief or her anger. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one, you know, because so you imagine this, how terrifying it'd be to see this this giant woman's head coming mm-hmm. at you with all this hair tentacle stuff coming off. Yeah, I got I got the image of like Medusa's head kind of yeah. swimming around, yep. you know, instead of snakes, it's tentacles. But yeah, you know, I can yeah. see hair, too. Yeah, I mean, it it's and it, it makes it more of a a paranormal spiritual thing than a cryptozoology type thing. Yeah. Um, they say yet an, an a yet unidentified deep sea creature like others of its kind, like the Kraken or the Megalodon, Luskas may very well be animals that have some somehow hid from all of us. And that's kind of what I think it is that that's where I land on um, what the Luska might be. And we'll, we'll talk about that probably more at the end of the episode. Um, but that is that theory aligns with what my theory is. And, and I, yeah. I believe Matt's as well. Yeah. They say it could also be a mermaid. They say to yeah. many sailors, Luskas are in reality, mermaids or mermen, uh, nymphs from ancient myths put on, earth to vex travelers and drown them ugliest mermaid ever oh yeah yeah <laughs> there this isn't the one you want to catch and hope it'll grant you a wish or right something. right <laughs> this is not your wish will be don't eat me ariel the little mermaid with long red hair that's definitely not this um, they say it could be a dragon-like being uh, perhaps the last of its kind others believe the luska is a lost dragon Something from the Orient, a remnant from an ancient civilization of massive beings now in exile and forced to hide in underwater caves. Yeah, I, I, I like this one, um, not because I believe that's what it is. I, I like this because of the images of, of a lot of those Chinese dragons, mm-hmm. not, not the ones from the, the New Year celebration with the the dance, you know, right. I'm talking about the ones that you see in a lot of the, um, the art from that part of the world. And if you look, you're going to see dragons that have the elongated head, but behind them, either, you know, this, these long horn type structures or like, uh, like a frilled, mm-hmm. uh, lizard would be with, with this, you know, all this, tissue and skin and whatever behind it right okay it still has the long worm-like dragon body that is um is traditional for for that art 
but there's this thing. It's coming off the back of its head. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it and you compare with the renderings of the Luska, you could say, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I can, I can get behind this. I don't think that's what it is. Um, but I can certainly see the comparison there. Right. Right. Um, another theory is that it's an evil spirit that takes the form of its intended victims, worst fears. So think like Pennywise from the movies. Um, Mm -hmm. the Luska is said to be some kind of demon or satanic beast that feeds off souls. So whatever your deepest deep sea fear is, uh, it will take the the shape of that and then feed on your soul. So like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if <laughs> so, the, you know, you're out, you're a sailor. Your, your biggest fear is coming across a great white or a giant octopus. Mm-hmm. And so it, it says, okay, I'll give you both. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You know, if your biggest fear were a Twinkie, maybe it would be a giant floating Twinkie. I don't know. Yeah. How cool would that be? Oh, I'd eat the heck out of that thing. The Luska better it was fear alive, me. You know, if it comes like a as mean a Twinkie, hey, if it comes as a Twinkie, I'm eating it. I don't care. It it <laughs> it needs to fear me at that point. I will be its worst nightmare. You remember how Twinkies had those three have the three holes at the bottom mm-hmm. where they fill it? Okay. You, you all you'd have to do is get underneath the thing and then crawl up into the cream hole. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> Matt, please don't ever and then say just run them up. <laughs> please don't ever say crawl up in the cream hole again. This is a family I show. I realized it as soon as it came out of my mouth. I was like, "What the hell am I saying?" <laughs> Apologize to your kids for us. That. <laughs> Matt meant the Twinkie, but you know, I mean. uh, so moving on, um, some say that it could be, uh, a deep one, like, oh, yeah. uh, the, you know, one of my favorite things is to think about the ancient spirits that have been on earth since its creation. They say Luskas might be a part of this underwater society, um, where somewhere along our time on Earth, uh, it it kind of forked off, and they evolved underwater, and mm-hmm. became this uh, this beast, ancient beast that has lived forever, but not one that was on land like some of the other ones we see. So that that is very much kraken type mythology. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, like Cthulhu, yes. Um, and and speaking of Cthulhu, this is the kind of stuff that you come across when you do a show like this. You you research so many strange things, and you go down so many rabbit holes that Google begins to just yank random stuff out of the rabbit hole mm-hmm. and show them to you. Okay, so last night. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my phone and of course, you know, all this Luska stuff, octopuses, Cthulhu, all that stuff has been in my search history recently. And, and in the little Google shopping thing is a, is a game, a video game for the Nintendo switch. Okay. And I kid you not, 
This game was called Cthulhu Saves Christmas. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'd play it. Uh, I, I, I got to look. This is a joke. It Not a joke. <laughs> it's it's a really a game. And I was like, okay, great. You know, but I'm with Adam. I'd play it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Now, the last theory that I've got here before um, Matt takes over is that the Luska is the conjoined spirit of human sacrifices because they say some Luskas are said to frequent the Mexican cenotes. Um, places that have a dark past, um, a past that's cloaked in horrors, bloodshed, and widespread carnage. So it's saying that through all the human sacrifices that have happened in these cenotes and blue holes, that it has created this spirit, Mm. this spirit beast, and it comes back to exact its revenge on humans for the sacrifices. So. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool one too. Yep, and um, you know a a lot of those legends that come from um, South South American native tribes um, are 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 really are really amazing. Um, they're they're so well put together, and you know from the central Central American tribes as well, um, because things were things were a lot different. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of understanding we've learned by studying them, but there was still a lot of, this is, you know, we, we were coming up with a lot of stories to explain some of these things and, and those legends continue and they're passed down to where, you know, modern people will always know, okay, in that blue hole, there, there's something down there. Right. There's something down there that terrified our ancestors, you know, so it's, it's a place maybe you don't go. Right. Right. All right, Adam, we're going to take a minute and talk about one of, uh, one of tonight's sponsors, Raycon. Now you've heard Adam and I sing the praises of Raycon earbuds. They are second to none in our opinion. And if you have a music lover, audiobook listener, podcast listener on your Christmas list, Raycons are absolutely the way you can never go wrong. Right. Most gifts don't ever go bad, but the only thing that'll go bad between now and December are the crowds in the mall. You can avoid all of that and get a fantastic gift by shopping early and get one of the best deals of the season on something that everybody is going to love. And that's premium products from Raycon. That's right. Their wireless earbuds, headphones, and speakers offer premium sound, useful features, and almost custom comfortable fit and up to 54 hours of battery life. And right now, Matt was talking about shopping for the holidays. Right now, they have holiday bundles. You get the option of picking several different bundles, uh, the Audio Lover Bundle, All-Star Bundle, you've got the Everyday Duo or the Gaming Bundle, which for you gamers out there, that's the way you need to go. But my favorite of those is the Audio Lover Bundle because it's got the earbuds and the headphones. That way, no matter what I want to listen to and how I want to listen to it, I've got 
something from Raycon that will do it. And you can't go wrong with Raycon because, I mean, Matt, I use them all the time. I mean, I'm listening to them at home when I'm not editing our audio. I'm listening to other audio with Raycon. If I could get the Raycons to hook up to my interface, I'd be wearing them right now. <laughs> I know it. No, we, we need Bluetooth interfaces so we can use our Raycon. Oh, that would be great. But I wear them to the gym. And one of the things that they said that we, we heard before we even started working with Raycon was that they never fall out. And I'm here to tell you, it's the absolute truth. If you use those little gel tips that they give you, find the right one, they're never going to fall out. You can roll around on the gym mats. You could you could probably do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and they wouldn't come out of your ear. Yeah. Amanda wears them at the gym, mm-hmm. and no problem at all. The only reason I don't wear mine at the gym is because I don't go to the gym. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that- wear them for everything else. <laughs> yeah. And they're great because they really do help if you're working on the yard or something like that. They help block out a lot of that noise where you'd normally have to put earplugs. Use Raycons, pop them in, and you can listen to music while doing it. So, if you want to start shopping for Christmas early, get your Christmas shopping done for everybody. Just buy everybody Raycons this year. They'll be happy. Just do it. All you've got to do is go to buyraycon.com slash tails. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash T-A-L-E-S and use the code EARLYBF, E-A-R-L-Y-B-F and you can get 20% off site-wide. That's 20% off any Raycon product, which almost never happens. Or save even bigger and get 30% off Raycon's exclusive holiday bundle. That's code EARLYBF, E-A-R-L-Y-B-F, at buyraycon.com slash tail. That's 20% off your Raycon purchase. Buyraycon.com slash tail. But as I said at the beginning of the show, there's, there's a lot of evidence that something exists. And... Uh, it's something big. So, but one of the best examples of this is, uh, is what was termed an actual Luska decomposing on Anastasia beach, Florida. Okay. It's, it's also known as, uh, the St. Augustine monster. Yep. Now yep. in a, we've talked about this before, but in a nutshell, the St. Augustine monster is, uh, is the name given to this large carcass originally thought to be the remains of a giant octopus mm-hmm. or a Luska. And it washed ashore in the U.S. coast near St. Augustine, Florida in 1896. Right. Now, it's one of the earliest recorded examples of a globster phenomena. And although scientists have claimed that they've identified the beast, they've said, you know, it's not a monster. But there's a there's a few of the cryptic community that really hold out hope that this is a a kraken type being that you know that was actually recorded. And when when you look at the photographs, um, 
it's it is it is bizarre looking, but it it yeah. does look like a gigantic octopus. Yeah, um, and it, it's interesting because they they were calling it the uh, giant octopus, even though there's not proof that like there's not they haven't found a species of this right. octopus, but they gave it the name Octopus Giganteus. Uh-huh. which is Latin for giant octopus. And it sounds just like a species name of an octopus. So mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. have, they have designated the term already prepared for if we find uh, a bunch of them, which yeah. I think is amazing. Yeah. But you know, they did analysis in 1995 um, on some tissue that was in the Smithsonian. And it suggests that it was just decomposing adipose tissue from a sperm whale, which uh, that's what a lot of globsters are. Yeah. Um, but that hasn't stopped, you know, the, the, the Luska faithful from saying, we still think that this might be sure. evidence of a Luska. Sure. Um, but this is, like I said, that's probably the most famous one. The, mm-hmm. the most famous story of yeah because you can find but, if you search saint augustine monster you'll find a ton of pictures yeah, about yeah. it so they're out there but in 2005 an underwater photographer reported that he was attacked by an octopus that he described as being 50 feet long now when the photographer put his camera out in front of him to protect himself the octopus took it oh, and then geez. disappeared into a cave oh wow yeah. There's a so, photographer puss now. What if we find a, a camera like years from now and it's got all these pictures of divers and stuff on it? Like, <laughs> That'd be o- great. Octopuses down there taking pictures. That'd you know, be they're great. pretty daggum smart. Yeah. The <laughs> underside of ships and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's got a little, it says hashtag dinner. <laughs> my next meal i like to photograph my meals before i eat it. it it's an instagram thing yeah now there's another account of a man who was swimming near a blue hole uh right around sundown he was violently grabbed and pulled underwater now this guy managed to get away and get to shore but later noticed that he had huge sucker marks on his thigh where he had been grabbed. Hmm. So, you know, if you've, if you've ever had an experience with an octopus, it is the most bizarre feeling. Oh yeah. When they wrap around you, you stick your hand in there, you know, and this octopus will just come around you and those suckers feel really strange. All yeah, over your hand. They do. So imagine if if these things were big enough to to latch onto you and pull you down, and then you finally get out and you see these giant round hickeys all over. Mm-hmm. You. They look mm-hmm. like pie plates. I mean, that would right. be. And, and you think about the size of the suckers on a normal octopus. If yeah. you've got these huge pie plate or bigger uh-huh. uh, sucker marks, that thing's huge. Well, you think even a big octopus, you know, would have suckers that probably is uh, as big as like a silver dollar. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's a big octopus. Yeah. So 
So if it's much bigger than that, imagine how much bigger that creature would have to be. Right. Now, uh, here's another one. There was a crew of divers that actively attempted to catch Aluska. Now, at some point during their expedition, they realized that something large and heavy was pulling on the traps that they had set and breaking the line. Now, one of these traps was pulled so hard that the boat was dragged along at a speed of one knot. Okay? Now, that's moving. Yeah. For for something that's, for an animal to be dragging it, and it's going fast enough that you can measure the speed. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's something really big. At the time, onboard sonar revealed what was later described by the crew as a large pyramid-shaped creature. Now, after the boat was dragged for some distance, the line went slack and the trap was pulled up, and the crew said that the trap was twisted and bent out of shape. Okay? So it was bigger than the trap they had down there. Takes a lot to do that to one of those traps, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, those things are are made of steel. Yeah, they're almost indestructible. Yeah, for, you know, so uh, it, it wasn't like a, a big crab, you know, had gotten a hold of it. it. Whatever it was, it was not only big, it was strong, mm-hmm. you know, and and it was able to pull that boat and do damage to a heavy-duty trap. So, I you know, the pyramid-shaped thing kind of confuses me, but if they're looking at it on on sonar, and let's say it's got that trap. So you've got a, the head, okay, eat, whether it's a shark head or an octopus head, either one. Okay, you've got that head, and then the tentacles are going to fan out and wrap around this trap. Mm-hmm. So on a sonar picture, it might very well have looked like a pyramid. Yep. Yep. So I, I just kept thinking, what would be a pyramid-shaped creature? And if you... You imagine that trap and the and a big octopus on top of it, then yeah, it would kind of have a, a shape like a pyramid. Yep. Now, in on January eighteenth of two thousand eleven, a body of what appeared to be a giant octopus washed up on the Grand Bahama Island in the Bahamas. Now, it seemed to only be the head and mouth of a lusca, leading local fishermen to speculate that the entire body might have been. 20 to 30 feet long. Now, given the location and the size, they believe that this could have been a Luska. Now, whether it's, again, whether it's a, a sharktopus or whether it's just a giant octopus, you know, we're, we're saying Luska because we don't know what this thing really is, but we're saying that there's a chance that something like this exists. If you mm-hmm. want to call it a Luska, fine. Um, but, you know, the size of this thing in 2011 really made people start to speculate that that's what this was. Now, on the TV show Destination Truth, a, a team was sent into the blue holes in order to try to find evidence of the Luska. But they discovered some quite unusual activity during their expedition. Now, the team drove to a depth of 150 feet in a blue hole and found an opening in a wall. They used sonar and made contact with something huge 
that was in the water with the divers. Now, at the same time, Josh Gates, who was the team leader, saw movement from something really, really big, which he first assumed was just part of the wall. No one was able to get a clear view of whatever it was, but the team was worried enough that they pulled Gates out of the water. Hmm. Now, later on in a different spot, Gates dove down to 175 feet, and the crew again picked up sonar readings of something really, really large. And once again, Gates supposedly saw movement ahead of him. But again, he was unable to get a good look at it due to the murkiness of the water and the surrounding ripples and bubbles. And, and that's, that's another thing. When you're looking, at, it's the problem that they ran into looking for the giant squid. It's, it's dark. Right. I mean, it's right. really dark. And the deeper you get, the darker it is. And it's not just that it's dark and you're like, well, turn on the light. Well, when you get that deep, the light doesn't travel as far. Yep. You know, so, you know, you may, you may put on a, a, a heavy duty light, an underwater light, but it's only going to give you visibility for, you know, you're not going to be able to see everything. Right. You know, maybe exactly. 10 feet in front of you. Um, I'm not a diver, so I don't know. You may, somebody may tell me something different, but I know this. Uh, I've seen plenty of, of shows with divers going on deep dives with these lights. And, buddy, they're not lighting up the ocean floor. I can tell you that. No. No. Now, movement was picked up by cameras indicating something large was nearby. The Destination Truth team became scared enough that they turned off the lights on their boat in order to avoid attracting it. And when the footage was analyzed by the team later, they noticed something that looked like a, a large tentacle, which caused them to speculate that it was possibly part of a large octopus or squid. I mean, I, a lot of people say, oh, you got scared and left. Just as Adam said at the beginning, when humans are in the water, we are no longer head of the food chain. Right, right. Okay? We, we are not the strongest creature, not even close. You know, we're weaklings in the water. So if you're picking up something big that's moving, your best bet is to just get out of dodge. You know? Yep. <laughs> you know, let's, let, let's look at this from solid ground. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like with, um, you, you were talking about Josh Gates. I, Josh mm -hmm. Gates is one of those that, I trust not to just make stuff up for having yeah. a show. Right. Um, cause he's seen stuff and, and then he's had episodes where he hasn't seen stuff and he, he's sure. put that out too. So when Josh Gates says that there could be something, then I kind of take notice and I'm like, Okay. There, there yeah. might be something there. Right. But, uh, Adam, Adam mentioned, uh, this next fella at the earlier in the show, Jeremy Wade, the host of river monster, mm -hmm. which we used to watch religiously. Yeah. I think me I'd, too. I'd, I think I'd seen most all of them two or three times. Um, but if you don't know, Jeremy Wade is a British television host. And he's an author of books on fishing, and he's a marine biologist. 
And he's best known for the television series River Monsters, Jungle Hooks, Mighty Rivers, and Dark Waters. Now, in season eight, episode four of, uh, of, his, of his show, Wade became obsessed with uncovering what was dragging divers down to their deaths near blue holes and wrecked ship sites. Wade went in into Explore Overdrive, and he did one of his most compelling episodes to date. He braved the Caribbean and tackled all manner of deep sea monsters and other scary things. And this episode, it's entitled Terror in Paradise. And it really, you could tell, I, I, I went back and watched it, and you could really tell uh, it, it tested his belief yeah. in what could be real and what wasn't. Um, I mean, he, he's, he's really, he's really starting to question, you know, what, what's going on in the water. Now he, he's quoted as saying, how often have I said to you that when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable must be the truth. Mm-hmm. So if he's, you know, he's looking at it from another angle, he's looking at it from, if we've eliminated the possibility that it could be this, that, or the other thing, this is the only thing left. Yeah. This is all that's left that it could be a, a giant octopus or a, a, another giant sea creature that we have not identified or, you know, an, a, a Luska that you know some some strange chimera that has existed and never been truly discovered and identified right right now one of the one of the things um in that show that that I thought was interesting is he's interviewing um another diver and this particular diver said that you know he was he was down and and this came this thing came up on him and and grabbed him and and he fought with it and was losing mm-hmm. okay and he even admits that at one point during the struggle he said this is this is where i die this is how i die yeah um but his uh his crew on his boat was able to rescue him and get him and the creature out and they said it was it was unlike anything they had ever seen, um, and they put it in one of the like the in one of those mounted boxes on the deck of the ship, yeah, and put a fifty pound weight on top of it, so it couldn't get out, and it pushed the fifty pound weight up and squeezed out and dove right back into the water. That's incredible. So, I mean. Truthfully, what he encountered was probably a, a very aggressive, large octopus. Right. But with, with, with folks like those guys, they would have known exactly what they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. They would have said, this is an octopus. They probably could have even told you what species of octopus it was. But it obviously was different enough that they were unsure of what it was and tried to keep it alive to be able to study it. Um, but in the, in the chaos of, we just saved, you know, you know, our guy from certain death and they're trying to readjust. This thing says, uh, uh-huh, I'm out. Well, and 
Yes, octopus are strong in the water, but for it to be able to lift 50 pounds on land. Yeah. Plus the weight of the lid. That's that's huge. And something I thought about is it could be an octopus, a species of octopus, but what if the beak is positioned differently and not in the center of all the tentacles? And so that's what causes some of the sightings to say maybe it's a got a shark head or something. Maybe it has a huge beak that isn't covered by the tentacles. And so people are seeing this huge beak and it's pointy and they think, oh, this is a a shark head and half octopus, but maybe the beak is just in a different spot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I, I thought while doing this research, you know, what if it's like some odd squid octopus hybrid? Yeah. Um, that it's not exactly a squid. It's not exactly uh, an octopus. It's got traits of both. Um, but, you know, both um, octopuses and squids have that beak. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that the beak is powerful. Okay. It, it doesn't just tear up fish. You know, it can tear up shelled creatures too. Lop a finger um, off easy. Oh, sure. Sure. So, you know, if you if you find one like Adam said that maybe just built differently, um, maybe it appears that a large beak that's visible looks like you know the the head of a shark, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I've even got a report um, from Scott Cassell. Okay. Oh, Scott I know Cassell, him. Yeah. 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 He's He's a world-class diver and underwater cameraman. Now, he says that he had an altercation with a giant octopus that had a beak similar to a parrot's, but about four feet in diameter. Holy smokes. I mean, you, so I'm, I'm six foot tall. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I know, I know what four feet is going to look like. And if I'm six foot tall and I'm next to something that's got a four foot wide beak, Okay, that that's going to look like, you know, the head of something big that's going to eat me. Yeah. Okay. It could easily Um, eat you. Yeah. And if and if you're fighting with it or you're afraid of it, you're in dark water. um, It may absolutely look like a shark's head. Yeah. Um, What what if it was not? What if the way it was turned, the tentacles go backwards? Mm -hmm. Okay. And you don't see the octopus head, but you see this enormous beak and the tentacles come from behind it. You've got a shark looking head, a triangular head and tentacles flowing from behind. hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. But that's only, that's only one possible explanation. And there are so many more. And that Scott Cassell guy, just to give some of his bona fides, Mm -hmm. um, he is, like you said, world-renowned photographer and diver, and he was one of the first to photograph some of the um, red squid. I forgot the mm-hmm. name of them, but um, there's a species of, of red squid that had been talked about by fishermen and stuff, but it hadn't been cataloged by science. Mm-hmm. And he was able to get pictures of them in the water feeding. and. So he knows cephalopods very well. He spent a lot of time yeah. around them. Um, he even got, I think, 
one of these big squid actually dislocated one of his shoulders when he was fighting with it because in the swarm of squid, one grabbed his leg and started pulling him down. And then another one grabbed a hold of his like face mask and shoulder. He was able to pull it off the face mask, but it grabbed his shoulder and dislocated his shoulder by twisting his arm backward. And so he's trying to have to release himself while still holding his camera and being pulled down. He said he was pulled so far down that his eardrum ruptured before it let him go. Oh, my God. And it finally let him go, and he was able to get back. But this is a squid. So if he's saying he encountered an octopus with a four-foot-wide beak, I'm going to believe the guy. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, most people either dismiss the Luska as being a folktale or that people have encountered a large octopus. But there are no known species of octopus that grow as large as some of the Luska reports say. The largest identified giant Pacific octopus was 600 pounds with an arm span of 30 feet. Now, that right there is an unbelievably huge octopus. No kidding. But the description of the Luska uh, describes a character that, uh, a, a creature that is much, much larger than that. Plus, the giant Pacific octopuses are found in the Pacific Ocean. Right. You know, we're talking about, um, you know, the Atlantic, you know, around the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. So the, the chances that, that one of those made it over here are not completely remote, but unlikely. Yeah. Highly unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, you know, the, there's a difference in, in the seawater. There's a difference in temperatures, Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, they're, they're going to stay in the area that is best suited for them. Right. Um, I mean, like I said, it's possible, um, but probably unlikely. Um, now, there are other factors that contribute to this idea that the Aleska really exists. And um, when those blue holes were actually discovered to be a giant network of caves, underwater caves, um, it, it, it kind of bolstered the idea that, that this creature had somewhere that it could live and hide. Um, but there's also the fact that large animals like nurse sharks and sea turtles have been seen around the blue holes and that many other animals have adapted to life there, which makes it, you know, reasonable that another large unknown predator could survive in that environment. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, there, there's always the possibility that we're not talking about an octopus at all, that we are talking about a giant squid. Um, and a lot of the uh, oceanographers that have looked into this have also suggested um, that the, the witness sightings of fishing boats being dragged down beneath the surface uh, of blue holes with broken boat pieces floating up after they've gone down is tidal changes. And Adam, you and I were, were touching on this before we actually went, uh, hit the record button. Yeah. Um, that, you know, these tidal changes are natural oceanic phenomena. Um, 
And the because bubbles often appear before a attack, quote unquote, they theorize that it's actually these ocean currents that suck people away and that the changes cause the water to be sucked back in through the blue holes, which causes a whirlpool. And when the currents are reversed, the water forces the wreckage back up to the surface. So it gives an appearance from the surface that a creature came up, brought down this boat, boat went underwater, and then after a time, then pieces of the wreckage just burst forth from under the surface. Yeah. I can, you know, I I can see that on some, in some cases. Mm-hmm. You can't say that that's not a possibility because that is is highly likely um, scenario uh, because yeah. you think about the way the blue holes are connected to the ocean. There is going to be probably more of a sucking force through those smaller tunnels that would affect the surface of a blue hole. All right, so let's talk about one of tonight's sponsors, HelloFresh. Now, you've heard us talk about HelloFresh before, and HelloFresh is a meal delivery service that Matt and I love. We cannot get over HelloFresh. You can skip trips to the grocery store, and you can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Now, the holidays are just around the corner, and HelloFresh makes this busy time of year easier than ever with chef-crafted recipes and pre-portioned ingredients delivered right to your door so you can spend less time meal planning and prepping, which is amazing in the holidays when everything is so stressful. Oh, yeah. So as your calendar starts to fill up this season, you can count on HelloFresh to get you some of your free time back by making cooking simple and quick. Each recipe and its pre-portioned ingredients come right to your door so you can skip the grocery store and a lot of the prep. So whether you're hosting a holiday party or just stocking up on snacks, you'll find everything you need at HelloFresh Market. From quick breakfast to charcuterie boards and dessert, it's never been easier to prep for a party or fill your pantry. And my whole family loves HelloFresh. And as a matter of fact, I have had Thanksgiving dinner from HelloFresh. That's and right. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And there was none of this, oh, they're out of this or the store. We, we've been to four stores and can't find that. We had everything we needed to make a fantastic meal, fed the entire family, hands down the easiest Thanksgiving that I've ever had. That's amazing. So if you want to join Adam and I uh, on the HelloFresh train and make some fantastic meals, get that free time back for some Christmas shopping or holiday parties, all you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard65 and use our code Graveyard65, that's graveyard six five. For 65% off plus free shipping. Yeah, that's a great deal. You can't beat that. All you got to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash Graveyard65 and use our code Graveyard65, G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-6-5 
and you can get 65% off plus free shipping. But to me, that doesn't that doesn't satisfy the sightings of actual creatures, giant creatures. Right. So right. Yes, if you don't see what's happening and you just see a boat go under in a blue hole, yeah, that could potentially be that. Mm -hmm. But somebody seeing a creature, that's not a, a natural oceanic phenomenon to me. Right. Yeah, a tentacle doesn't just come up out of the water. Right. Um, as a part of the ocean. Right. But I think... Like Adam and myself, most people believe that the Luska is likely an undiscovered species of large octopus. But due to how little we know about the ocean, we can't know for sure. So whatever the reason is, um, we feel like there's something that's behind the legends and the stories. And the fact that blue holes still have this kind of, you know, eerie, creepy allure. Um, the, the idea that a monster lives below that, it, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's fascinating. So why not? Um, but you know, we may not ever get a definitive answer, um, about the actual Luska, but I, I think that, you know, the, the legends are true and, it's it's just something that we haven't been able to discover yet. Yep. I'm with you because we've mentioned this in other like sea monster episodes and stuff, but we know more about the surface of the moon than we do the bottom of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And we're always finding new creatures that we didn't know existed in the ocean. So... It's ripe for stuff like this. Yeah. And the ocean being how buoyant uh, salt water is allows these creatures to get bigger than they could on land. Mm -hmm. And there is a high probability that there is a deep water large octopus similar to the pacific octopus but bigger that lives in the atlantic and around the caribbean and it's able to grow larger because the water's warmer mm -hmm. and there's more food and all this so it, it's highly possible that that could exist and we would not have ever seen it except in passing when it decides it wants mm -hmm. to take a boat or something yeah. And that's the way I lean on the Luska is that, like you said, it's a species of octopus that is just otherworldly large. And one day, as we survey the ocean more, we may come across it and go, hey, look at this giant octopus. Look how big mm -hmm. it is. It's 100 foot long. And they may never tie it back to the Luska because of the half shark, half octopus description of some of these sightings. But I think if we ever get a giant Atlantic octopus like that, then to me, that will satisfy the Luska legend. Yeah. 
I I agree. I agree. But what do you guys think? I mean, do you, do you lean like Adam and I do towards the idea that the the Luska is is real, but it may not be a a shark octopus chimera, um, just an undiscovered species of giant octopus, or or do you think that there is some, you know, bizarre enormous cryptid that you know dwells in the bottom of these blue holes and has been responsible for uh diver deaths and shipwrecks and so forth let us know Mm -hmm. and one of the best places to do that is in our facebook group it's called the graveyard just go on facebook and and search graveyard tales and you'll find us there it's one of the best groups on the internet you're going to find some amazing personal stories, some funny jokes, but it's it's a good safe place for people to come and and share these stories. Yep. Um and while you're doing that, you can slide over to our website which is graveyardpodcast.com and there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise and hey, you know, Christmas is coming up. So if you've if you've got uh a member of the graveyard that's, you know, um, one of your, uh, on your gift list, you know, picking up that new, uh, graveyard tells coffee mug or hoodie or whatever is a great idea for Christmas. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, also on our website, you can find the links to become a patron and we thank everyone who has taken the time to donate to the show. We try to give back as much as we can. We've got a, an extensive list of bonus episodes for you to enjoy. You get video. Um, you know, we, we try to make it worth your while because we appreciate um, what you guys do for the show. It, it helps keep it going. Uh, it helps us make sure that, um, you know, our sound quality is where it needs to be and that our equipment is up to par to keep putting out uh, new and better material for you guys. Exactly. Yeah. So. The Luska explained. <laughs> Maybe. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.